We're going to carry on uh, with our series on God's amazing people today. Didn't Pastor our Bishop do a tremendous job last week bringing the bringing first word? I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Today we're going to jump in. We're going to talk about one of my favorite characters in Scripture. We're going to talk about Ruth this morning. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39, it says, and, all, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, receive not the promise. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. The characters that we are referencing here, the ones that we're going back and we're pulling from Scripture, they're not to entertain us, but we're to use their example. They had faith. They lived this, not having the promise. And in Romans, Paul said, whatsoever things were in Scripture were written for our learning, for our understanding, so that we can apply them to our lives. And when I began to look at this and began to kind of look at the life of Ruth, you know, I began to question one thing that I've, I've began to do is... I want to ask, okay, how does this apply? How does this person apply to our lives? It's easy with the Samson. You know, here's a guy that's a train wreck. There's not a one of you that drives by the interstate that doesn't see a wreck that goes. It's like that with the life of Samson. You open up the scripture and you begin to read Samson's life and you're drawn to that story. Ruth kind of comes... Uh, a little from a little bit different angle until you understand where she comes from and then it begins to get interesting Ruth's name in the Hebrew means friend or friendship and she has a very unique story to tell us when you began to look at her life she was not an Israelite she was a Moabite to begin with and having and knowing this, we began to look into her life and began to kind of see, okay, what does that entail? Well, when you look at the, the country of Moab, it was founded from an incestuous relationship that came out of Lot and one of his daughters. So from the beginning, Moab was a messed up place. Moab, Moab came from a messed up environment, an unholy environment, an unwholesome environment. That was the lineage of Ruth. She came from a family that had, and a lineage that had some major issues. And she, she lived almost an obscure life up until the death of her husband. Naomi is in, or Ruth is introduced in Scripture because of her mother-in-law, Naomi. You see, Naomi lived in a country um, of Judah, the place of praise. She lived in a town called Bethlehem, which was interpreted in the Hebrew as the house of bread. But there came a day when there was a famine in the land. And Naomi and her husband Elimelech and their two sons made the decision that they were going to move and changed locations from the land of Israel to the land of Moab. It was a financial survival decision, if you will. 
There was food in Moab. There was places to work in Moab, Moab, if you will. So they went there. They pack up their family and they leave. And they go and they settle in the land of Moab. And it's here that they began to entrench themselves into the Moabite society. Both of Naomi's sons will marry Moabites. Ruth being married to one, the other that was uh, of Naomi's daughter-in-laws was named Orpah. And so they began to build their lives in this country, in this community. And, and I want to I just point out something here. They leave a place of praise. They leave the house of bread because times were tough. But when they went to the land of Moab, after a time, tough times showed up in Moab. You don't ever make a decision in your life based on the fact, well, church isn't going the way I think it should go. I'm in a dry place. Never make a major decision in your life in a dry place if it's going to take you further away from God. If anything, when hard times and dry times come in our life, I need to invest myself more in the kingdom and get closer to God than I ever have been before. And I know that's a difficult thing to say when you don't feel anything and when you don't experience anything. But listen, we don't walk on our feeling. I don't live for God based on my feelings. I live for God based on what I know and the experience that I've had. And I walk by faith, not by sight. So when things don't look well to me and things don't feel right to me, I walk by faith. Now, that's not to say if you feel divinely led to go do something, you do it. But you don't make a decision that's not based in a, in a spiritual connotation. Naomi and their family made a decision that led to the detriment of her family. Because it was not a spiritually sought-out council decision. They went to the land of Moab. And it's while they're in Moab that she loses her husband. And a short time later, she loses both of her sons. And so now Naomi lives in a strange place, not really knowing a whole lot of people other than her daughter-in-laws in a country that is foreign to her. And she begins to look toward home. She begins to look for a place of refuge again. And so she makes the decision, I'm going to go back to Judah. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Judah meaning praise. I'm going to throw something out here at you. You just catch it if it applies to you. If it goes past you, that's fine. Going through one of the most difficult times of my life, I'll never forget Sister Joyce looking at me and she said, son, you can praise your way through anything. When it's dry, when it's hard, when I don't feel anything, when I'm not experiencing anything, you still praise God. I can't get so bitter in my spirit, I can't praise I can't get so affected by what's going in my world that it takes my praise. Understand, my praise is my strength. He inhabits the praises of his people. Naomi looks around and she says, I've lost a lot. There's a lot missing in my life. I've experienced heartache and pain, but I'm going to go back to praise. Because when all, th all else fails and you don't have anything else, you can still praise and she goes and she makes her way back toward Bethlehem. When she gets there, 
to the borders of that country between Moab and Israel, she'll look at her daughter-in-laws and she says, hey, listen, you need to split up from me. I, I'm, I'm old. I'm old. I'm not going to be able to produce any more sons. I'm not going to be able to give you any more husbands. There's nothing left of value in my life. There's nothing left of, of worth in me. And she says, I want you to go back to your people, to your land. Go back to the culture that you're familiar with. Go back to the society that you know. And I want you to begin to build a life there because where I'm going, it's foreign, it's foreign territory to you. And the Bible says that Orpah, they all weep. Orpah hugs her mother-in-law and turns around and leaves. But the Bible says that Ruth clave to her. And in the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 16, Ruth was so strongly about this, felt so strongly about staying with her mother-in-law. She says, or the word says, and Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God, my God. That is a very strong statement made by a lady who was understanding I am about to leave everything that I'm familiar with, and I'm going to go and live and dwell in a land. But understand this, Naomi, I, I, I love you, and I'm drawn to you, and I am willing to do whatever it takes to stay close to you. And she makes this statement, and I wonder sometimes if she really knew the, all the context around that statement. Your people are going to be my people, and your God is going to be my God. When you are looking at making a shift in your life, which is where these two ladies were, they were fixing to make a shift. And you're going to make your way back to God. You want to enter into a place where you've, where you've longed to be, whether it's I've been away from it and I'm coming back to it or this is brand new to me. There are some things you're going to have to turn your back on and separate yourself from in order to get where you need to go. Ruth said, you know what? My past may come from a twisted and messed up world, but I'm not going to let my past dictate my future. We live in a world, ladies and gentlemen, where the last statistic I heard, I believe it was one in five young girls are molested in their childhood. I don't know the numbers on, boy, on the boys. We live in a world where pornography is coming in rampant waves, and it attaches itself to lives, and it works its way and weaves its way into our society, and if we're not careful, into our homes, and, 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 and divorce is at an all-time high, and, and mental health issues are at an all-time high. We live in a world that's troubled. And so... Because of that, there are things that have hurt us, scarred us, marred us, that we carry that's always behind the smile. It always lingers behind the friendly expression and, the, and, the, and, the, and, your, and your Sunday best, if you will. And we come and we interact, and, and nobody really knows what has interacted with us. But Ruth made up her mind, there's got to be a shift in my life 
And when she began to make that shift, she had to separate herself. This is my past, but this is not going to hold me here. I'm going somewhere else. If you've lived for God for 50 years and you're just wanting to move into a closer walk or this is brand new to you, understand this. Don't be scared to separate yourself from the things that want to hold you back. And I realize that saying that sounds so easy, but in reality, it's a lot harder to to disconnect from hurt and pain. God will do that. You just begin to work your way toward him. She says, I'm going to leave it all, and I'll come dwell, and I'll live with you. And so they make their way. They get back to Bethlehem. When they walk into town and people see it's Naomi, they begin to, to, to be stirred and excited and they, they greet them and they're so glad to see Naomi. And she looks at him and she says, don't you call me anymore Naomi, but you call me Mara. For the Lord, the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. What she's saying, she said, I went out full, but I'm back empty. I, I left. Naomi, her name was pleasant. It meant so, you know, joyful. She was, she was a, a good person to be around, but when she come back, she said, don't call me that anymore because I've been dealt some hard blows. Just call me bitter. Call me bitter. I've gone through some stuff. How does that apply to me? Well, I come to church and I never open up and fully let God do what he wants to do in my life because I'm bitter. God, how could you allow this to happen to me? How could you allow this to take place in my life? It wasn't God. It was the environment. God's reaching for Naomi. He's trying to do a work in, or in, excuse me, in Ruth's life and in Naomi's life. He's, he's trying to reconcile Naomi. He's trying to do a, a, a new work in Ruth. It was the environment that they went into that caused the hurt and the pain and the loss. Naomi says, don't don't call me Naomi anymore. You just call me Mara. I'm bitter. I'm hurt. I've got things that just, they weigh me down. I can't let go of. I I can't get beyond. Just call me bitter. And then Scripture says that they return they begin to dwell in the land. It says they came to Bethlehem, and this is at the closing of chapter one. This is very unique to me. It says, they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. I don't believe anything's just put in Scripture accidentally, just thrown out there. There was a reason that it was listed, and they came uh, to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. I'm one of these people that if I see something that jumps out to me, I'm going to have to dig at that till I find out why. Why is this? Why was that wording there? What I found when I began to look at the beginning of barley harvest is Israel, the first two major crops that were harvested in the springtime of the year, the very first one was barley, the second one was wheat. After the barley harvest, you would enter into the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That's the Passover. That's where Israel celebrates them coming out of the land of Egypt. Okay? They said the barley was generally the, bread, the, the grain that was used to make the bread because that was the time. That was At the time, that was about the only grain that was available. That the wheat was kind of spotty. 
the Feast of Pentecost, which would come after Passover, was celebrated as the, the, the feast of the wheat and the barley being brought in. Because the other things, the figs, the pomegranates, the, the grapes, all of those things would come after Pentecost due to the calendar. And so the timing, I find it so cool, the timing... Israel comes out of Egypt. They come out of the land of bondage. They celebrate the Passover, the killing of the lamb, the blood being applied to their life, and being able to, to, to come out from bondage. And I find it so fitting that Ruth steps on the scene and comes into the land of Judah, the land of praise. She gets to the house of bread at almost the pinpoint time where Passover is going to start. She's coming on scene at the time they're fixing to celebrate coming out of the land of bondage in the land of Israel. And how fitting for a lady that's come from a broken environment and a messed up society that she's going to enter into around the presence of the Lord and begin to dwell in the land of promise at around the time where they're celebrating coming out from bondage and being set free. God knows what he's doing in your life. I'm sorry. I truly am sorry. I felt this morning a burden for, for people when I was studying this, and then I came in this morning, and I saw all of you coming in. I just felt something hit me, just a tremendous weight. I really am sorry for some of the hurts and pains and things that some of you have experienced that you've never voiced, but I felt them this morning. But hear me. God brought you into this house for this time. And he wants to come into your life and bring something where you celebrate. You know what? I've been brought, I've been brought out. I used to be a slave to guilt. I used to be a slave to shame. I used to be a slave, a slave to pain. But he brought me out. And he covered me in his blood. And he washed me and applied his name on me. And my sins were remitted. And I've got a brand new lease on life. And he put his spirit inside of me so that I can dwell with him and him with me. She comes in at the time of barley harvest. And the day comes when Ruth looks at Naomi. They're going to have to do something. They've got to have food. They didn't come back with skilled trades. They didn't come back with husbands. So Ruth says, I'm going to go into the field, and I'm going to take whatever I, I can, whatever sack, basket, whatever I've got, and I'm going to go behind the gleaners. And as they're reaping the barley, I'm going to begin to reap what's left over. I'll, I'll get the crumbs. I'll pick up what's left. I'll come and I'll scavenge around, and I'll get. And so she... By chance, it wasn't chance, it was God. God moving and orchestrates. She winds up in the field of a man by the name of Boaz. And she begins to work with the, with the hands, the, the, the field hands that are working for Boaz. And she gets into the field and she's gleaning. And Boaz makes his way out to see how the harvest is coming along. And he looks and here's this woman in the field and... He greets his workers, and then he asks them the question. He says, who is who's that? And they say, oh, that's uh, Ruth the Moabitess, the daughter-in-law of Naomi. She asked if she could glean in the field. 
Notice how they reference her. They're still reaching back and grabbing a tag that was put on her from her past. That's Ruth the Moabitess. That's Ruth, the one that's come from that messed up environment. She's here to, to glean in the field. And Boaz says, well, you know what? We're going to make sure that she has enough. We're going to make sure that not only, not only does she have enough, but we're going to make sure that there's a, a little bit more. He tells his young men, he said, you let her come in and glean and, and, and get whatever she wants. Don't, don't reproach her if she begins to, to get right in the middle of things. You let her go. Let her, let her enjoy get, or, or let her reap and get what she can. And then you, a purpose, leave some so that she can gather up. I want to make sure this person is taken care of. And so she gleans in the field. She gathers up everything that she has. And when lunchtime came, they told her, they said, you come eat, eat, eat with the servants of Boaz. Boaz tells her, he says, if you want to drink, you need something. You come, you just, you just make yourself at home. And that's exactly what she does. And when she comes back home, she uh, shows Naomi what she's gathered. And Naomi is surprised because a beggar normally doesn't come home with that much stuff. And she said, where did you, where did you sojourn at today? Where did you work today? And she says, oh, I happen to work in the field of Boaz. And Naomi says, well, that's awesome that, that you did that because he's a kinsman redeemer. He's near kin to us. And I'm sure that the conversation went something like this, and he's really handsome too, and you know, he's available. I'm the, da I'm the, the daughter. Listen. My eight-month-old screamed all Friday night. And when I'm saying all Friday night, I mean all Friday night. So if I got names twisted up, if I look a little, you know, at 42, Brother Moss, it takes me a little longer to recover than it did at 22. So I'm still running on coffee and adrenaline. Being the dad of five daughters, I've hit the really cool stage, and the adjustment stage. The really cool stage is like Friday night when we're coming home and, and my wife and I get to go on a rare date and we just had two kids with us. We had the two little ones and we turn right here on Country Club and Mimi's in the back seat and she hollers, hey dad, that's my church, my church. Those are the awesome moments. The adjustment moments are the other day my daughter comes in and she's wearing a sweatshirt that a certain young man gave her. He's a really good young man, and I thank the world of him. And I love he and his family very much, but that's still an adjustment for a dad, okay? So I'm sure... That when Naomi found out where Ruth had been, there was some excited chatter that began to go on. Because she tells her, listen, don't you work in any other field. You stay close to, to Boaz's field. So Ruth stays there through the whole barley harvest. She's there. She's there through the wheat harvest. 
And then after all that's done, Naomi begins to give some very specific instructions to Ruth. She says, okay, here's what you're going to have to do. I know, these, I know these, how these conversations work because they stop when I come in the room. Well, let me tell you what you're going to have. You're going to have to fix your hair so, and you're going to have to yeah, wear that dress. That, they will like that dress, I'm telling you. And I walk in the room and it's, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. Naomi says, listen, you got one shot at this. Boaz is going to be down in the threshing floor. He's going to be threshing grain. I want you to go down there. I want you to make your way down there. And when you get there, I want you to wait till everybody goes to sleep. And then I want you to go pull back the covers and lay, across, lay, at, lay, at, lay at his feet. And when he wakes up, here's what I want you to say. Well, they had some weird ideas back then. Number one, if I wake up in the middle of the night and there's something strange at my feet, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be reaching for something to club you with. Go wait till he's go wait till he's asleep and then go and, and make yourself you know a pallet at his feet until he asks you what you're doing. So Naomi gives all these instructions. And Ruth says, whatever you tell me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Now, we've joked about this process, but when pastor begins to talk to us and he begins to cast that God wants to make you over, that God wants to do a new work in your life, that God wants to give you beauty for your ashes, and he says, and the way that that needs to happen is you need to open yourself up and humble yourself before God and find a place of repentance so that you can have relationship with God. Oh, I can't do that. Think about what, we're going to compare the spiritual to the physical. Think about what Naomi's telling her. I want you to go from your broken environment, they already know you as the Moabitess. I want you to go to where Boaz is. I want you to wait till he's asleep. I want you to lay at his feet. And when he wakes up, I want you to tell him that you want him to redeem you and you become his wife. You want me, who's experienced all of this in my past, to be that vulnerable with that person? I don't know if I could do that. But Ruth said, I won't change bad enough that I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I want to become what God says I can become, which is a new creature. And she said, I'll do whatever is required. When pastor preaches and he says, 
you got to repent. you got to find a place where you open yourself up and you repent of your sins and you say, God, this is what I've been involved with. This is what I've been doing. But, Lord, I really want to be forgiven of my sins. And you, you are sincere in your actions. You begin a journey where God can begin to do what he wants to do. But hear me, you're never going to get there if you back away because what's being asked that hurts my pride. That stings a little bit. I don't know if I can do that. The process is really, I'm uncomfortable with the process. It doesn't fit my style. Scripture says that we all have to come to repentance. All of us. That means the one that's strayed from the house of bread and the one that's just coming out of the land of Moab and wants to experience life in the house of bread, in the land of praise. I'm going to have to get there. Repentance isn't a one-time deal. Well, if I go up there and I repent, you know, everybody's going to have to, who cares? I'm more interested in taking care and, and getting this junk that I've been held by taken care of for so long that I really don't care what anybody thinks or says. They're not going to anyways, but that's the, that's the trick that comes in my mind. Well, people are going to, I don't want to be judged. I don't want to, listen, I want to be made whole. Ruth is coming at this from the standpoint, I have not much to offer, but you're telling me that there's a chance that this man who has been so kind to me who's been so good to me, that this man would be willing to take me and make me his bride. Sign me up, Naomi, whatever it takes. So she goes down to the threshing floor, and she waits. And the men are having a good time. They're threshing, they're threshing the wheat and the barley and... And uh, they're eating, and they're doing what guys do. They're having a barbecue and enjoying life and working. By the way, ladies, you can get a lot of work done around your house if you show up with barbecue. Yard needs to be done, show up with good barbecue. Not just any barbecue, good barbecue. And watch how things get done. Barbecue and sweet tea. She was there. She waited till everything had taken place. And the scripture says, and when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went and lay down at the end of a heap of corn. And she came softly, her, she being Ruth, and uncovered his feet and lay her down. And it says, and it came to pass at midnight, one of my favorite scriptures, and it came to pass, I told you, they had, this was not probably the, my, my idea of the best idea of a, of a, of a proposal, but it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. I want to put this in, in, in modern terms. Boaz woke up. He found Ruth at his feet in the middle of the pitch dark, and he said, who are you? Where did you come from? And what is going on? You weren't here when I went to sleep. Scared him to death. 
And Ruth begins to tell him who she is. And this is what I want. I want a relationship. I want a covenant. I want to be redeemed. And Boaz tells her, he says, you know what? You've spoken well. And everything you've asked, I'm going to do. We're going to make this happen. Many of us are scared to come to the Lord because I don't want to be rejected. If you really knew where I've been, what I've done, what I've been involved with, you're not going to want me. That's not the case. When Ruth began to say, you know what, it's me, Ruth, yeah, I'm the Moabitess, the one that's been in the fields, the one that's been begging around looking for the crumbs, and I would really like for you to take me and make me your wife and redeem me. He says, you got it. When we come to God and we open ourselves up and we say, God, here I am. Here's the real me, the one behind the smile, the one that's, that struggles. God, I have hurts, pains, addictions, hang-ups. It's me. He's not going to cast you away. But he's going to say, you know what? Everything you're wanting, I'm going to do. So Boaz goes down. There's, he tells her, he says, there's one man. That could be the kinsman redeemer ahead of me. He said, I'm going to go talk to him, and I'm going to see if he wants to redeem you. If he doesn't, then I will. Naomi tells Ruth, and I like this, she said, now sit still and let, the, let them take care of this. Boaz goes. He asks the man. He said, hey, there's a field that belonged to Elimelech. He said, and, and all the property that belonged to Elimelech needs to be redeemed. And the man says, well, I'll redeem it. He says, yeah, but here's the catch. Elimelech has a daughter-in-law. And in order for you to purchase the field, you're going to have to marry Ruth. And he says, I can't do that. He says, redeem it for me. So that's what Boaz does. He redeems and takes back Ruth. She becomes his wife. And I'm hurrying. I've got six minutes here. But I've said all that to get to this point. Boaz and Ruth have a baby. Have a baby boy that becomes the joy of Naomi. She's not bitter anymore. She's holding this handsome little man. She becomes his nurse. And when the Bible's closing out the book of Ruth, it says this that Ruth gives, and I'm paraphrasing, it says that Ruth, Ruth gives birth to a son. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse. Anybody know who Jesse is? That's the father of King David. The lineage that Christ would follow came through the life of a little woman who had come from an environment that was atrocious 
She got her start and her beginning from a messed up relationship and a mixed up situation. And she finds her way into scripture and she finds herself in a place where she's redeemed. And she finds herself being the mother of a son by the name of Obed. And, and Obed's going to go on and he's going to be the father of Jesse. And Jesse is going to be the father of David who will be the king who the Christ will follow his lineage and his line and show up in the form of God in the flesh by the name of Jesus. He will be the son of David, as Scripture says, to redeem mankind. But it comes through a little lady that got to the place. She said, you know what? Something's got to shift. Something's got to give. And I feel like we're, we're like that in our church. Across the board, we have folks that are saying, you know what? I've got to make some changes. I've got to make some turns. And let's be real. When you go to do that, that can, that, can, that can be a little uncomfortable for you. But is it going to be worth it? Oh, it's going to be worth it. It will be worth laying your pride down. It'll be worth letting him take care of your hurts and pains. And it, it will be worth cutting and removing yourself from bad influences and things that will pull you. Because when you get on the other side of it and you see what God wants to do with you, you're going to look back and you're going to think, man, that's a long way from what I was. That's a long way. And I don't care if you've lived for God all your life or you're just starting to hear me. When you make the transition to get closer to him and build relationship with him, you're going to look back even on your walk with God and you're going to say, you know what, man, he brought me a long way. He's done a work in me. He's allowed me to be able to, to, to cope with things. And, to, and, and takes, he took my bitterness and my hurts and, he'll get, and he gave me beauty for my ashes. Stand with me this morning. One of my favorite scriptures. You find Jesus in the synagogue. He opens the book and he begins to read out of the book of Isaiah. And he says, for the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Preach the gospel to the poor. And I'm, I'm all over the place here. I don't have it in my notes, okay? So if it's not word for word, don't, don't kill the messenger. He says, I've come to open the sight of the blind. I've come to set at liberty the captive. He goes through that scripture and then he stops, rolls up the scroll, hands it back to, and he goes and he sits down. He didn't finish that verse because when you go on with where he was at, he says, I'm going to give them beauty for their ashes. Part of that Old Testament priest's job was after the sacrifice was offered, he would take off his priestly robe. Well, first, he would go to the altar. He would scoop up the ashes. Once he gathered up all the fragments that were left from the sacrifice, he would go and he would take off that priestly garment. He would put on everyday clothes, and he would carry those ashes out of the camp to a clean place, and he would dispose of them. Jesus Christ, Scripture says, he was both the lamb and the high priest. When they took him outside the camp and they crucified him, yes, he died for your salvation, but he also died 
so that when you come and you leave your stuff at the altar, when you present yourself as that living sacrifice, and you say, God, I'm going to die out to the things that I have, the hurts, the pains, the sins, the guilt, the shame, everything. Here it is. When you get up and you walk away from it, he said, I want a means where they don't have to live with the remnant of their past so that they have a fresh start. I'll give them beauty for their ashes. Lord, I love you. I thank you for your presence that I feel so rich and sweet in this room. I'm asking God that you would touch us, that you would minister to us, that your word would resonate in our hearts. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. We're going to take a 10-minute break, and then we're going to kick our regular service off. You've got some time to get a drink of water, greet somebody. Thank you for being at First Word today.